Crossed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. And the finish of the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Fire again. A goal back. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello and welcome to the final edition of Le Bourgeois this season. That's it, it's all over. After one final dramatic night of Ligue 1 Uber Eats action, we now know that Marseille are through to the Champions League group stage along with title winners Paris Saint-Germain. Monaco face the qualifying rounds. Rennes make it through to the Europa League and Nice are gearing up for Europa Conference action. Bordeaux and Metz are down Pascal Duprat is putting out fires once again. His Saint-Étienne team survive for now, but they have to play Ligue 2 side Auxerre in the relegation playoff. And last, but surely not least, Kylian Mbappé is staying in Ligue 1 Uber Eats. The best player in the world has committed his future to Paris Saint-Germain. And this morning, I am joined by a smiling Robbie Thompson. How are you, Robbie? I'm very happy, Matt. As you can imagine, I'm... Killian uh, pledged his future in exchange for a whole lot of money, but good on him. The important thing is that he is staying in Ligue 1. And with Paris Saint-Germain, I think it gives him the best chance of, of continuing his football journey. Better than, better than Real Madrid anyway. Interesting. Interesting view. We'll, we'll discuss that. We've got a bumper pod and we've got a bumper panel um, because it is the final one of the season. And uh, we wanted to get as many of our, our regulars as possible on. So we've got... Andy Scott in in Paris, I think. Hi, Andy. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in Paris. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Uh, uh, good to be here for the last one of the season. It's been uh, it's been a long and emotional season on and off the field, and um, I think we're probably all looking forward to a little break at some point. But um, yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you've you've made it back north because you were down at, at the velodrome and it was absolutely rocking yeah. on Saturday night. And I know you're scared of those firecrackers and stuff, so it's good that <laughs> that, that you made it back. Um, Angus Turode, another league gun commentators with us. Angus, how are you? Good morning. Yep. Um, Narrow-eyed and not so bushy-tailed, but eager to talk about what's been happening this season. So it's all good. Thank you. Busy weekend for, for, for Angus. Busy weekend, I think, for Ian Holyman, but he's, uh, he's, he's taken a little bit of time off league gun Uber Eats. He's been working on other things, let's say, and he's in Israel. How are you, Ian? Yeah, very good. Very good. It, it's it, it's always about these, the sort of the last couple of games of the season when people have got nothing to play for. That they say that the players are on the beach. Well, I uh, have literally been on the beach this week, but uh, very much, very much in work mode right now, Matt. Yeah, you're yeah modest because you are out there working on um, was it the European Under Seventeen Championships? Yes, and some very, some very, very, very good players. And I'll I'll give you the France the France team are actually staying in the same hotel as me. And uh, I can give you a tip for anybody who's in a similar sort of position. Get to the breakfast buffet before the teenage footballers. That's all I can say. Because when you're trying to compete with El Shaddai Bichyabu for the bespoke omelettes at the, uh, at the breakfast buffet, you, you've got, <laughs> honestly, you've got no chance. I'm six foot two, but that boy, think of me. Fantastic. How many omelettes can you and- put away? Maybe you shouldn't well- tell us. Well, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't count the omelets, but I did, I did, uh, I did hear them all talking in French, saying, "Well, oh, how do you say that in English? Or oh, how are we going to do?" 
And I did, I did half think about offering to say, look, lads, I can translate for you. But there's about 30 of them. I'd have been there all morning. When I, when I left France, just, as, just before I was leaving, El Shaddai was, was in the first team squad and looking to, to, to break in. I think he was only just 16, or he may even have still been 15 at the time. And the physios and a lot of the talk was about how to bring him through and how was he going to cope with a professional career because he's so good, but he's so big. Like he, they expect him. He hadn't finished growing when he made his first team debut. And they were thinking he could get to two meters three, I think it was, or two meters one or two meters three and be well over 100 kilos in optimum athlete what, posi- what position is he? Centre back. And he's technical, he's fast, and he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> I can Just confirm he's, papa booba job. he's particularly quick with the omelettes. Let's get into the omelette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is coming from an absolute expert who uh, allegedly, reportedly ate, ate eight galat sausages, eight or nine uh, at Wren. I'd, like I'd like to think eight, it was I think eight. It was. Mm. I think it was eight. Listen, let's start with the... Um, with the news, with the big news, Angus Turode was at the Parc des Princes on uh, on Saturday night, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna announce how many petit four he ate in the um, in 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 the press room because uh, he probably did quite well. But he was there before kickoff, and the news that everybody was anticipating arrived. Let's hear a little bit of commentary. This was at 8:45 uh, local time. Here's what happened. Mbappe escorted out by the president of Paris Saint-Germain. I would suggest we probably know what this announcement is going to say. It is hard to believe that Kylian Mbappe would announce that he's going to Real Madrid if he is announcing it before the game. The name of Kylian Mbappe is ringing around the Parc des Princes. Oh, I hope he's staying. <laughs> Kylian Mbappé va rester jusqu'à 2025. Kylian Mbappé is staying at Paris Saint-Germain. What does this extension of your contract mean to you? I think is the essence of that question. Uh, bonsoir à tous. Hi everybody. I'm very happy to continue this adventure. To stay here in France, in Paris, my city. I hope I will be able to continue what I love doing the most. Scoring goals. Thank you to all of you. Well, I think we can guarantee a celebratory atmosphere now tonight. Well, Angus, uh, thrilling stuff. And that obviously set the mood for a, a celebratory atmosphere at the Parc des Princes. But let's just talk about Mbappe before we talk about the action. Um, it is absolutely remarkable. I think all season long we've been talking about Kylian Mbappe and we've sort of been assuming that he was going to be joining Real Madrid. We know um, that he has a soft spot for Real Madrid. He's loved them since he was a little boy. We've sort of assumed, particularly as the season, Angus, hasn't gone swimmingly for Paris Saint-Germain. We haven't seen... Uh, the Messi we, we, we wanted to see. We haven't seen Pochettino sort of forging a team that we were hoping to see. Um, 
But a lot has been going on, obviously, behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, this is absolutely enormous. He's signed for three more years. Yes, I thought it was particularly clever of the club to actually announce it just before the game as well, because the Parc des Princes has not really been the happiest place, despite the fact they've wrapped up their 10th title of late. I mean, when they won the title against Lens, the Ultras marched out halfway through the second half and refused to celebrate in the stadium and went outside. However, when Mbappe came out with Nasser Al-Khalifa before the game and announced that he was staying, which I have to say, I, I kind of knew he was going to because I thought it would be absolutely impossible that he would come out onto the pitch and announce the fact that he was about to leave for Real Madrid. That would have just sent the whole place bonkers. That would have been surprising. Or, or if he announced he was joining Marseille, for example. <laughs> I mean, that would have been interesting. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I thought it was, it was very strategic, very clever, because um, the, the game itself saw virtually no atmosphere in the first half. The only noises that were made by the home fans were when he announced he was staying and the goals. Other than that, the whole place was just quiet. But it did set the scene for a much happier Pauk de Prance than we perhaps would have had had they not made that uh, announcement and had that announcement come after the uh, the game. But I think with... Ian, um, sorry, because I was, I was, uh, we, we, we'll, we'll try and keep it reasonably quick because we've got five people in. But um, Ian, uh, we didn't see it coming. Uh, I assume that from uh, I assume that the, the news has reached Israel, and you've probably see, seen the coverage. And it was it was quite an emotional Killian, wasn't it? Uh, you know, it looked like it was all very genuine. He talked about his his home city. Robbie's mentioned that he's getting a whole a whole load of money. Of course, he would have been getting very richly, very amply rewarded at, at Madrid as well. Um, but it, it you know it's significant on on so many levels, isn't it? It is. I think Paris Saint Germain have been looking for. To, to make this project, and I'll tr- I don't like using that word, but okay, the project more Parisian. And what, you know, what better way to do it than having one of the best, very best players in the world and a guy who's going to dominate world football for the next you know, eight, eight or 10 years as the centerpiece of that project, at least for the next couple of years. And it does, and it, it does spark a huge amount of uh, interesting debate as well, because if what we are reading about Killian almost literally being sporting director and decider in chief. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's the right way for Barry Saint-Germain to go, but I think probably that's the way that world football is going. The the, the play, player power now is very very much the the it to, to the fore. Um, but as as I say, I don't I, I still don't know if that's a, a particularly particularly healthy way for football to go. Yeah, I on that note because I thought this was going to come up, and I've been thinking about it. I I'm almost one hundred percent sure, and obviously, very few people are privy to what's actually in the contract. I'm sure Der Spiegel will get it out at some point in the next couple of years, and we'll all look back at it and think, "Oh my God, that's incredible." But I would be very surprised if it's written in black and white. Kylian Mbappe has veto on who is the new coach and who will be signed and who has to leave. I think if you're honest and if you look back at the history of football, yes, it has changed a lot. Football players, with their salaries, with their images, with everything that comes with being a footballer now, it is not the same as it was even in the 90s when it was all starting. And if you look at a Milan side of the 90s or Real Madrid of the early 2000s with the players they had, they were involved in talks with the club and they were consulted. And I think that's normal for a business 
or anything to consult the people who are directly involved with working with each other about who's coming in. I'm sure Baresi and Maldini, I'm sure Zidane, by all accounts, said, look, you've got to bring in Makaleli. Raul and Redondo and Hierro were clearly involved in every decision Real Madrid were making back then. Messi, and, Robbie. And Messi Thomas at Barcelona Tuchel, was, was absolutely. massive. And Thomas Tuchel, back in the day, back in the long forgotten past, and I am being very quick, I apologise, said he had that group of five players. There was Cavani, Thiago Silva, Marco Verratti, Kylian Mbappe and Marquinhos. There was no Neymar because he wasn't considered to be in that necessarily in that, that sphere. But those five players were the ones that were consulted about things that affected the club, whether it be from travel arrangements for Champions League matches to training schedules to whatever, physios to people coming in. Of course, there's discussion. Of course, there's negotiation at every level of a big club. I just don't think Kylian has veto on who the next coach is going to be. It is it is risky to to an extent to give one person to give a player that much power. I think he is, and I said I think he's the best player in the world at, at the moment and will be for for the next few years. Um, so that is obviously vital. But it's also I also think he's an intelligent lad. It's also coming at a time, Andy, where PSG need to change the structure. We've been talking about this for a long time. So it's not like we're going to be thinking. Oh gosh, Leonardo is is going, or they're going to replace Pochettino, who, by the way, got a few boos as well um, on 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 Saturday night. So from that point of view, you know, maybe it is is the right time, even if it is unorthodox, to give a player this much power. Yeah, they they, they needed to make sweeping changes, um, and and I think you know, and I, I know the wind um, has been beginning to blow in that direction over the last kind of week to ten days. We we began to sense that Mbappe might actually end up staying, but. For a long time, there has just been there's been this idea that Mbappe was leaving and that the club was going to have to rebuild without him. And you wondered what on earth they were going to do. So in that sense, I suppose from a PSG viewpoint, it's much better having Mbappe and 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 him calling the shots than than having to rebuild without him. Um, he's this is Monday morning. He's he's due to give a press conference today at three o'clock uh, Paris time. That's going to be interesting because um, either he says nothing as footballers tend to do, and everything he's already said, he's going to repeat it again. Or he's going to say some really fascinating stuff. And as you say, he's a very intelligent kid. He he talks um, really, really well about, about the game and about everything around it. So he might say some fascinating things. Obviously, we know that Leonardo was relieved of his duties in the, in the hours after the game on Saturday. All the talk yesterday was about Luis Campos coming in. That is really interesting. I mean, we all know the job that Luis Campos did at Monaco where he knew Mbappe, of course, building that team that won the league in 2017. And at Lille, the last two teams to have denied PSG the title. So that would imply to me that they're probably going to be looking at a different profile of player because I don't think they're going to bring Luis Campos in to sign, you know, the, the big superstar names that we all know about. So um, so that's going to be interesting. And obviously the coach too. Um, I think the one other aspect to, to Mbappe staying that is fascinating is that um, on the one hand, it's brilliant for us, for us as followers of Ligue 1, for all the fans of Ligue 1 listening for PSG. On the other hand, it's not that good for Ligue 1 because you've got this club who've got so much power anyway and they've just kept the best player in the world with all that that entails. And what on earth does that mean for the for the the the, the competitive balance of Ligue 1, which is already, you know, kind of, kind of skewed in PSG's favour? So, you know, there are two ways of looking at this, of course. And then, and then of course, you throw in the, 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 the aspects of Real Madrid being particularly peeved, which... Um, raises a whole lot of other issues and, and is also quite hilarious, the, the, the reaction that's come from Madrid. 
Yeah, but Andy, Lille won the league not so long ago with exactly. Kylian Mbappé playing exactly. for PSG. Yeah. I, I know how it feels at the moment, and yeah. it feels very skewed in terms of the uh, the competition. Ian? One little caveat caveat on this that is that a lot of this is 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 going on in the media, right? And the keep, the main sports daily, has been naming uh, people that PSG are going to sign. They reported that uh, Mbappé is going to have all this power, etc., etc., etc. One little caveat is that Roberto Martinez has been linked to, with the coaching job in today's L'Equipe, he's named as being 65 years old. Uh, I, I don't know if they've been speaking to Robbie Thompson and his sort of very, very, very dubious age estimations, but he's 48. Loose. So if you, if you can't get good. that he's basic good fact right, if you can't get that basic fact right, you've got to worry about the others. Have they got... Uh... Should we be looking at 65-year-old coaches and trying to work out who they actually meant? Or do you think yeah. it's just a, a clear mistake? My, my one point very quickly about putting Killian at the heart of your whole project is that he has, is, we know he's a level-headed kid, very intelligent kid, that's been said. He's also been learning for the last year from Lionel Messi, who had that experience and has clearly acknowledged that he's come here where Killian is top dog this season. And I think that's been cl clearly, and I think, Messi has accepted that. He understands that that's the role that Killian has here. So now he can continue to learn from what Messi has done at Barcelona for over a decade and bring that to Paris. I think it's a great, a great person to learn from. You're listening to Robbie Thompson all the way from Australia on the Ligue 1 Uber Eats official podcast, Le Bourgeois. We're going to hear what happened at the Parc des Princes. Angus uh, recovered from the excitement of Killian making that announcement and managed to keep his composure commentating another Killian master class on the pitch. Here's what happened. PSG uh, versus Mets. And we should say that Mets uh, were fighting for their top flight lives. So this was uh, an important game in that respect. Great tackle. Angel Di Maria coming back to get that. There have been a few jibes from the fans over this season, over the mentality of this side, but they've never questioned him. And they haven't questioned Killian Mbappe. And Killian Mbappe opens the scoring. Of course he does. The player's player of the year comes up with goal number 26, heading towards the top score award for the fourth year in a row. It's a very attacking lineup here tonight. Almost four attackers. Messi feeding it through. Mbappe, left foot, another chance, and another goal. A quick fire double. Messi last week with a brace. Followed up by two more from Mbappe. 27 league and goals for the season now. Messi into Di Maria and Neymar. No goal for Di Maria still, but Neymar continues his run of scoring. Already had one chance. The Brazilian in the game. No mistake that time. Couldn't really miss it. 13 goals for the campaign now. Now reunited, or united for the first time. In Camerano, oh, that's a bad mistake. And here comes Mbappe for the hat-trick. Oh, terrible from Mets. Delightful from Mbappe. And Mbappe wraps up his hat-trick only a few moments into the second half. His 28th league and strike. Paris Saint-Germain into the penalty area again. And Messi off the post. Di Maria, surely this time. And Di Maria finally gets his goal. 
the farewell that he was hoping for. His 56th goal in Liga. Almost all of them with that majestic left foot. And you can feel the delight around the ground that Angel Di Maria has managed to score in his final game for the club. Well, Angus, uh, Mets didn't really have a chance, did they? I mean, it, it kind of felt inevitable that Killian was going to follow up his three years uh, with three more goals. Yeah, I mean, the, the counter-attack king of, uh, of French football was in his pomp all the way through. Two goals in the first half really set the celebrations going for the second half um, because it was still quiet in the uh, the first half. But it was a, a fascinating encounter. I mean, Metz must have looked at the Paris Saint-Germain team sheet and gone, oh my goodness, this is going to be tough with Angel Di Maria and the uh, the, the big three all starting. It was uh, all guns blazing from Paris Saint-Germain from the off. And Metz, they came into this game with back-to-back wins. I mean, it was astonishing they'd managed to get themselves into a position to have any chance of uh, resurrecting their season as it was, but they were just never in it. They made mistakes. They looked nervous. They just looked overwhelmed, to be honest with you, with the whole occasion. But Paris Saint-Germain, really, it was a, a staging of a final game that couldn't have gone any better had they literally planned it out, including the match. They were just dominant Everybody played well. Messi was involved. Neymar was involved. Neymar scored as well. Um, and Kylian Mbappe now is the second biggest scorer in Liga in the 21st century. 135 goals now. Only Edinson Cavani is ahead of him. And to be honest with you, he's going to whip past that probably in the first three games of next season. It was a, a, an astonishing performance. Kaylon Navas came in for the last game and had virtually nothing to do. Um, Alex uh, Letesio came in as well, actually, and Natalia came in in the second half as well and made his one and only uh, appearance of the season, which got him his uh, Liga winner's medal. And it was just a fantastic experience. The interesting thing I found, though, was after all of those weeks where the, uh, the fans had not been celebrating, not been getting behind the team, there looked as though there had been a decision made before the game that, that after the f- halftime, they would join in because the difference between the first half and the second half was night and day. All the ultras, for the first time I've been there in a few weeks, were all getting behind the team. And when they had that moment for Angel Di Maria, who really was on a mission to score in that game, in his final game before leaving. And when he finally did, it was one of the most emotional scenes of a football match I've seen in recent years. And you felt the love pouring off of the uh, the stands for him. Matt asked us before we came on the pod today to pick out and prepare our, our best moment of the season. And having been in Australia for, for two-thirds of the season, I was struggling to think of a moment back in the, in the first three months of the campaign. So I'm going to go with one I watched um, on Sunday morning, and it is that moment, Angus, Angel Di Maria. Um, because, and you were, as you all know, and as I talk about ad infinitum, I work there, I love the players, I think they're amazing, good people, not amazing people, all of them, but, but good, simple folk. And Angel Di Maria, for me, was one of the best players Paris Saint-Germain has had in that time I was there. And we had some amazing players. And, and Angel was always a little bit underrated by everyone, I think, and, and always an easy target for criticism just because of his, the way he plays. You know, he's a, a, an unpredictable winger um, who often could turn over the ball if things didn't go his way. He could have a very bad match and everyone would say, why is he always trying to score from a corner every corner he takes? 
and, and and go for easy targets like that. He scored some remarkable goals. He his little chipped finishes. I think the first game he played, he laid on an assist for Pocho Lavezzi um, against Monaco, which I remember all the way to the very end. Most assists in the history of the club with 113, over 80 goals. Fantastic footballer and just good guy. You know, we could always when we need an interview. We could always rely on him. He didn't necessarily bear his soul because he's not that type of guy, but he's a pure, pure football guy. And when you talk about all the money that these footballers earn, Angel Di Maria would have done it for nothing because there was never anything else he was going to do. You could have offered him if, you know, no other job and minimum wage. That's what he was always going to do, Angel Di Maria. He is a pure footballer. And to see that moment last night, for me, that was a, it was a beautiful moment. It was very touching. And I, I was moved. So there you go. Moment of the season. Thank you, Robbie. Fit, fitting. No, 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 no. Fitting tribute. And he's a guy, you know, we, we, we take the mickey out of Robbie, partly because he calls him Dima and not Di Maria like the rest of us. I, I can't um, call but... him what he calls everybody else because that's too rude. But you heard it in the stands about Madrid last night. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, he has been an absolute joy to watch and a brilliant player. And, uh, you know, I think as well that the, the work ethic, you know, that he's allied to the to, to the wonderful skills which hasn't always been the case at, at PSG with some of their star-studded uh, players so he's been he's been phenomenal well done to him a sorry night in the end for for Mets uh, beaten 5-0 and relegated at one point it was looking very exciting because Saint-Étienne were losing 1-0 to Nantes which meant that the Mets were going to finish 18th as long as they didn't ship seven goals at the Partey Prince and they were they were five down with some time to go, and it was looking very nervy. And then Roman Amuma popped up with a, a, a huge goal for Saint-Étienne. They drew 1-1 with, with Nantes, and uh, that was pretty emotional as well. He was running into the stands, and great to see a guy, you know, a proper servant, really popular figure, saving Saint-Étienne for the moment. But it's, it's going to be really tough, because Auxerre are flying as well. Auxerre beat Sochaux to, to reach the playoff final, and um, that's going to be a two-legged uh, contest and uh, you should definitely try and catch that if you can. Bordeaux sadly are down. What was it? 91 goals conceded in the end. They actually won 4-2 against Brest. They showed a bit of fight, but it was too little, too late. They are they are bottom of the league. Um, we are going to focus on the Champions League battle between uh, Marseille, Monaco, and also Rennes, who were in the mix. We're going to bring Andy in. He was at the Velodrome. There was incredible excitement, but first. Little bit of uh, little bit of deja vu, um, because we've got the result of last week's competition. Um, I don't have the clue in front of me. I've realised I've I've not prepared this very well. Um, Robbie, it, do you have the clue? It was an easy one. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get it in a sec. But it was a it was an easy one, wasn't it? I thought. I yeah, I thought it was an easy one. Some of the guys on the panel didn't know it. I'll, I'll tell you who got the right answer. Um, you haven't necessarily won this, uh, my friends. But Katie McClintock got it right. Davor T got it right. Reese Aitken got it right. Thank you, Reese, as well for the photo uh, you sent in watching the cup final down in uh, in Nice. Uh, fantastic atmosphere. Sadly, Nice didn't win it. Um, sadly for you. Liam Scahill also won it. He's also a Nice fan, an Irishman living in Western Australia and a lover of Nice. And Wei Chun Lo got the right answer as well. And I just want to say thank you to Miko Honkanyemi, who sent in a photo of the Payette shirt that he got sent. A little bit too small for, for Miko, unfortunately, but his daughter is enjoying it and we, we, we love the photo. Thank you for that. Rob, do you want to read out the clue then? Okay, yep. So, born in France's south, I made my professional debut 
in white and blue. Um, at the same time as I conquered Europe with Les Espoirs, which is the France under-21 side, and I was named Ligue 1 Young Player of the Year. It was with this first club that I served the first of several lengthy bans that would hamper my career and ultimately cost me a place in the pantheon of French football. In total, I played for six French clubs and won two Ligue 1 titles with one of them, either side of a Coupe de France title with another. A move overseas finally saw me reconcile my devilish nature with football, but my domestic success failed to bring me recognition in bleu. Ironically, it was when I hung up my boots that I began to represent my country once again, winning both at a Euro and a World Cup with France. And so I did just realise, Matt, how long these are when you have to read them. So I apologise for that. I'll make how them long? shorter. But it, was a good, no, it was a good one. It was a good one. And it was, of course, Canto. Eric Cantona. Exactly. Um, so congratulations. James Cathy also got it right. Um, Robbie, who, who, who won? Because I'm going through the messages. Can you no, tell us who no you pulled out of the just, hat? Just, just, uh, oh, there's no, no winner? The winner this okay, week so is so you just get a shout 11. out. Yeah. Ah. So congratulations, everyone, who got them right all season as well. And I'll be back next yeah, year brilliant, with more. Brilliant efforts. <laughs> brilliant efforts all around. James Cathy, well done. You've also sent in a, a team of the season. We will talk about that Um at the end of the pod. We're now going to go to Marseille, though, where um, it was absolutely thrilling. Andy Scott was was down at the Velodrome, 63,000 Marseille fans to see uh, Marseille started at the weekend in third, playing Strasbourg, who were fifth. This is what happened. And uh, looking for Milik. Might just fall for Gerson, maybe he can get the shot away. Jersey fires it in! Oh, what a goal! And the Velodrome rocks! It is 1-0 to Marseille! And Dimitri Payet embraces the club president. He suspended William Saliba, celebrating from the stands as well. I mean, Harriet, left by Milik, really cleverly done, and turned into the net. It's the second goal Marseille have been looking for. Sheng is in there, scores it, and surely Marseille are going to finish the season with the victory here at the Velodrome tonight. Milik must fancy a shot at goal himself, but lays it back to Gerson, it's 3-0. A second goal for the Brazilian. Well, that ends any doubt about the outcome of tonight's game. It's... Uh, Another fine finish from a player who's turned into a crucial element of Jorge Sampaoli's Marseille side in the second half of the season. Comes back to Rongier. Rongier's effort, an awkward one for Sells, and turned into the net. It's a fourth goal for Marseille. We're trying to peg back Monaco's goal difference advantage. They're making a go of it, and the uh, fingers being held up. From the presidential box in the velodrome, they need one more to overtake Monaco on goal difference and take second place. What a story that would be. So, Andy, Marseille winning 4-0. Um, phenomenal atmosphere. And at the end, we saw wild celebrations. Payet and, and Saliba in the stands. We saw Frank McCourt, the American owner, on the pitch <laughs> celebrating wildly, which, you know, I think is significant because we haven't seen that. And it does feel... Like this club is is united. You know, people forget it was what eighteen months ago that the training ground was being invaded by furious supporters. Yeah. Um, 
it's been it's been quite the season for them. I'm trying to work out how we play this, by the way, with the drama in in, in Monaco. Um, Marseille, I'll, I'll give it away because people probably know Marseille have finished second because there was an incredible twist at, at the end in Monaco. Tell me how you experienced it all, Andy. <laughs> Oh, it was it was it was mental. I think I think Marseille is it's quite a hedonistic place, right? When the when the weather is really really you know good like that, it was a beautiful hot day, and and obviously you can kind of walk from the beach to the velodrome, and you've got all the lads with the tops off, um, and all the fireworks going off outside the ground and everything. <laughs> Absolutely, Ian, Ian, Ian's face. It's ju- it is just it is just it is just nuts. You know, I I, I don't think I mean I I know that like I mean I, I think we've all been to the velodrome on some big nights and. I, I don't know that there's actually a better atmosphere anywhere in the world. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. You know, and I think. I think the noise, the, the way that stadium is built, adds to it. You know, the noise is incredible. And when I was um, doing my sound check for the, the commentary, the, the the guys, you know, you're talking to the technicians and they're saying, "You're going to have to speak up tonight because it's going to be loud." You know, and even then, it was louder than than I kind of suspected it was going to be. Um, the, 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 in terms of the game itself, the game was kind of petering out actually, and then and then they got the you know because I think Strasbourg you know they thought they were probably going to be okay to qualify for Europe in fifth place, and Marseille were leading, but I think we're aware that that Monaco were leading and that it wasn't going to be enough to finish finish in second, and and then they got the second goal, and then they scored a third in eighty ninth minute, and at this point Monaco are still in front, then they score the fourth. And um, and I'm, I think you may have heard in, in in the commentary clip, but but we we cut to the the VIP, the presidential box, where Pablo Longoria, the president, Frank McCourt, the owner, Dimitri Payet, um, William Saliba, and also Jacques Cardoz, who's Marseille head of communications, they're all there, and they're all holding a finger up, saying, you know, if you get one more goal, one more goal, and you overtake Monaco, because even if even if Monaco had won. If Marseille had scored a, a, another goal, they would have gone above them on goal difference. So it suddenly became, and this, they nearly did, didn't they? There was they that, that penalty shot. Suddenly became this frenzy, and I have to admit, and 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 seconds after that, suddenly everybody around the ground starts jumping up and down, celebrating. And you know, sixty-three thousand people, it becomes this complete frenzy. And where I was, and I was going to say Coventry box, but actually just a sort of table, um, right at the back of the kind of posh seats, high up in the main stand, but. Right in front of me, everybody's on their feet, and I couldn't really see what was going on anymore. <laughs> Having to look at the screen because I couldn't see the pitch, but also I couldn't get confirmation of what was happening in Lens because the 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 networks had suddenly gone down. I was kind of trying to follow it, so I wasn't a hundred percent sure because often you get somebody in the stadium who who maybe thinks a goal's gone in, then it's kind of spreads like wildfire, but it's not true. So I was a bit wary that maybe something thought they thought something had happened, but it hadn't happened. And then it became clear that Lawrence had equalised, and and the place just went completely nuts, you know. And and I think that that is because obviously the, the what that meant was that Marseille had, had replaced Monaco in second, and that changed a lot of things because it meant rather than entering the Champions League in the third qualifying round in early August and having to come through two ties, they go straight into the group stage with all the the guaranteed millions that come with that. And 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 it's actually. On that, it's probably worth making the point here that Monaco probably would have finished second had they not had to go through the qualifying rounds at the beginning of this season, which kind of hampered them at the start of the campaign. They, they missed out in a playoff to Shakhtar Donetsk. Well, uh, yeah, that's... but Marseille went to a European semi-final and had no, to deal but, with that as well. I, I think, so who knows? Who, who knows? Well, yeah, but you know that's maybe one way of looking at it. But anyway, the celebrations were incredible, and 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 I think it it is something that's worth touching on in the sense that you know I think a lot of outside observers. Um, are uh, very critical of Ligue 1 because they think it's a one-team league, despite the fact, as you said, Lille won it last year, Monaco a few years ago. Of course, PSG have this huge advantage financially. 
They've won the league at Akanta this season without playing very well. People go, well, it's not a very interesting league, but there's so much interest behind them. And, and, and you see what it means to the people of Marseille, obviously the people of the, the, the Monaco supporters as well, this battle for second place in the final day, just, just madness, you know, and, and, and I, I didn't have much sleep on Saturday night, you know, because, because of everything that happened. The noise is incredible. The celebrations were incredible. I mean, the people were still in the stadium an hour after the game, you know, not invading the pitch like we keep seeing in England at the moment, but, but the celebrations were just off the scale, absolutely off the scale. And, and it's a huge thing for Marseille to be in the Champions League. Let's see now if they can actually build a team to sort of have a go at it, because the last couple of efforts have been pretty bad, but great for them. That's, yeah, I think it's three points from 36 available in the Champions League in, 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 the, in their last campaigns. But that's the question I was going to put to you, Ian. Um, I wanted to say as well, most people who say it's not a very interesting league, I think you'll find they're the people who don't actually watch it um, as well. Um, but Ian, it, you know, it, it is huge because it gives them that security, you know, financially. Um, they've got Pablo Longoria, who's shown his skills as a wheeler dealer last summer. He's going to have to do some some big moves. Um, I was reading Le this morning that they reckon that Marseille can't splash the 30 million euros that Arsenal will want for, for Saliba. Um, a lot of the loan deals are being made permanent, like like Genduzi, like Paul Lopez, like Genghis Unda. Um, I think Amin Arit is not going to be staying, but they've got they've got work to do. But they but but they've got that reassurance and that uh, you know in financially that they can move on from it. Yeah, I think the question the question would have been far more serious had they not qualified for the Champions League. And given that their success this season had been founded on basically a half their side were loan signings, uh, goalkeeper Genduzi, Salibo's been so good, Unde as well, who's not necessarily been always in the first team, but has been very useful uh, when he has come into it. Um, so that was that was a, the big question mark for me. Now that they've got that, if they can keep together that the squad that they've got and build on it, let's see now, I mean, Chaleta Tsar looked like he was on his way out at the start of the season, has come pretty good in the second half of the season, apart from that terrible mistake at, at Feyenoord, which ended up costing them that place in the in the Conference League final, but he's looked he's looked really good. Saliba's going to be a huge miss. He's going to be a huge miss. Genduzi is absolutely vital. If, if 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 they don't get him, I mean, he said sorry in to, to to butt in, but he did say he 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 would love to be back. He wants to play in the Champions League. You know, I, I think deep down there are two, there there are two big factors here. That one is that I don't think he feels he's got Arteta's trust, and also. Arsenal have got White and Gabriel, who they see as the first choice. So Saliba is, you know, does he take the gamble to go and play in the Europa League with Arsenal under a coach that doesn't rate him as a second choice, who's got to fight for for, for his place in the team with a World Cup coming up? Yeah. So that you know, Saliba, I think has has got a lot to go for him if he joins Marseille for sure. But it's it's probably not the it's not it's not really the question of where he wants to go. It's the question, like you said, no, it's can Marseille play? Can Marseille pay the thirty million that they're going to need to get Saliba? Because there's lots of other Champions League teams that can pay the 30 million to get William Saliba. So th- there's other teams that can offer him that, but th- they absolutely, he would be he would be superb. If they can keep him, if they can sign him to a permanent deal, because I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a top player. Two or three years' time, we're looking at a, a very, very good, a very good centre back. He's already excellent and he's what 21. Um, so they've 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 got that side. Another question mark, another question mark is Payetto. Now, Payet has been absolutely fundamental to that Marseille side this season. End of the season, he's, he's, he's picked up an injury. He's 35 now. 
um, or maybe 65, depending on whether you read Lakeep or not. But <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure he's 35, and um, he's not getting any younger. Now, he's probably got another brilliant season in him, but again, they, Marseille need him to perform at that same level next season. Can he? Can he avoid picking up injuries? It, there's, a, there's, there's a big question mark there. And one player that, that we haven't mentioned is Bubica Camara, who it seems played his last game uh, at the weekend. Shame we didn't have a, a Kylian Mbappe-esque announcement before the game because he's a boy who's <laughs> come, come through the ranks at Marseille. Would have been lovely. Um, maybe there is still a tiny chance he, he'll extend, but it does very much look like Camara will be moving on on a free. So like you say, it's going to be a, a, a defensive rebuild with Chiletta Saar perhaps being being sold, with Saliba perhaps not returning. Um, a, a lot of work to do there. We we all feel for Strasbourg, who had a wonderful season, and they've just missed out on European football. They've they've finished sixth. All along, Andy mentioned the tension and stuff. Nice were 2-0 down in, in Reims, and, and that's what made it so dramatic as well, that Nice came from 2-0 down, and, and they won 3-2 with Andy Delors scoring a hat-trick in, in seven minutes. That I mean, it was it was just an unbelievable night. And I think probably the most dramatic moment arrived in the 96th minute in Lens. And we're going to bring in Tony Jeffers, who was at the Stade Felix Bollard to commentate Lens against Monaco. Um, Monaco needed the win to to secure uh, second spot. Lens could have qualified for Europe if they had won and if Nice and Strasbourg had slipped up. Here's what happened. That's a terrific ball in! Scenes here. Frankowski gives Lons the lead just before the half hour. And that goal created by Jonathan. An unbelievable ball in. One of the best balls you'll see all season. Gives a signal. It'll be a nice swinger. Kick in the head, and there's the equaliser. 1 1. Referees letting it stand. Lance protest. It's Benoit Badiashili who's got the ball in the back of the net. Lance's energy levels look to have dipped. Look how easy it is for Vanderson to streak forward. Picks up Volland. At the far post, Benyeda! 2-1! You cannot leave this man unmarked. Deadly! The fox in the box. Goose in at the far post. Goal number 25 of the campaign for the hitman. Wissam Benyeda. They've got to defend stoutly here, Monaco. Otherwise, the Mediterranean rivals, Marseille, could leapfrog them into second place. Last chance saloon for Lance. Into the penalty area. Monaco! <laughs> what an end! Monaco can't believe it. Agony for them. And now they've got to wait to see what happens. Um, well, Angus, that was it was unbelievably exciting. I was commentating the, the multiplex, and that was sort of the last game, the last seconds, that free kick from Jonathan Close, and, and Monaco had Played well, they'd soaked up so much pressure, but the ricochet came. Ignatius Ganago 
put it away. And Monaco, so close to securing that 10th consecutive win. Um, they are devastated, but in the cold light of day, might think, well, actually, we finished top three and, and, and that's pretty good. But again, an unbelievable atmosphere and a wonderful game. Well, there's nothing quite like uh, an atmosphere at a full Stade Bollet in any case, but uh, that was an in- incredible game. I mean, it was back and forth. It was everything that you want at the end of a season. I mean, the, the last day was fantastic. I was a little bit isolated from it because I was at the uh, the Parc des Princes, but the, you know, you kept an eye on what was going on. I did have internet connection, so there was no real problem there. But it, Monaco, I think probably why they were so devastated was because of the fact they came through, they felt that they were making progress. They were on that magical nine-match winning run. And uh, it's not many teams have finished off a season with 10 straight wins. Only two others have done it in the past. So they really thought that they were coming through. Everything seemed to be written in the stars for them. And uh, Alexander Nurbel made a miraculous save as well very late on that looked like that was it, that they would they would go through. And then all of a sudden, Ignatius Ganego pops up and boom, suddenly they're all on the floor. I mean, it's literally, it, it was, they, they all looked like they... They had died. They basically were everybody on the deck at the end. Could not believe it, despite the fact they've had a sensational season where at one stage it really didn't look like they had any chance of making it into the Champions League. But um, Billy Clement has come in and he's completely they were, they were ninth, Angus. They were on, on the 20th of March. They were ninth. Yeah. That is just astonishing. Isn't it, it? It, it, it's, it's an amazing comeback. So I think once they get over that, I think they'll realise they have a chance. And I think this time when they go into the Champions League uh, playoff, they'll have that experience from last season the question is now is whether or not they can keep hold of some of the men who are the most influential in that side there's one very notable uh player in midfield who has been the subject of transfer speculation for weeks now so uh, jean jean lucas <laughs> yeah exactly Chiumeni, yeah, Chiumeni, yeah, Chiumeni. Yeah. yeah and i th- i think that when the, when the dust settles i think they'll see this as an opportunity rather than as something missed I think um, on a sporting level that those qualifying games at the start of the season really hurt you. They really hurt having... This was a rare summer where everyone could actually go on holiday and be back for pre-season. This was a chance because, you know, there's no Euro, there's no African, there's no World Cup. There's there's an Asian under-23 tournament. There's the European under-17s where Ian is now. But this is... The, there's a, a period for everyone to recharge and come back. And Monaco have to be ready to go at the start of July or mid-July. The, the games, are gonna, the competitive games will start coming. And that hurts. That does hurt. And that hurt all, already. But on a, on a different note, and this is towards you guys because I'm not part of it anymore and I'm watching from afar, but it was fantastic television. I started with Angus watching on, on the, the local carrier here. Um, watching at the Parc des Princes, and then I switched over to the, the multi-goal, it was called here, not a multiplex, or a conference, I think they call it in Germany. And I saw comments of people watching in England saying, we need this here, why can't we get something like this on TV here? And it was fantastic television, and, and it was a, an, an interesting exercise. I've done it with you, Matt, the last couple of years, but listening to you and Armel um, juggling 10 matches all at the same time it was fantastic. The information, the, the, the flow, the goals... It's entertaining. And apart from Paris Saint-Germain, who's, as Andy said earlier, is so far out in front, it was a fantastically thrilling season. And to see a Lens side that can score a goal in the last minute like that, when, they've got, when they're playing for stuff against a Monaco side who are playing for absolutely everything and, and Marseille in different grounds, it was, it was brilliant television. Well done, everyone. You guys and Ligue 1. Thank you.
Thank you, Robbie. That's very kind. I thought there were one or two wisecracks too many from Armel, but overall he did well. <laughs> you know, he held up his he end. He's there for that. Um, in some but respect. yeah, we'd love to get him back here for his wisecracks, wouldn't we? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess so. But no, it was, it, it was intense. We were on air for three hours because we had the trophy ceremony as well. So it was, it was an intense Saturday night, but incredibly enjoyable. Um, Andy, I just want to bring you in just to complete the uh, the European um, analysis. So Lance as well, great season. Unfortunately for them, they finish in in seventh. But the the drama as well in rounds when Nice came from two down was incredible. Um, Christoph Gauti at the end, it was funny. He did exactly the same celebration as when Leo won the league. He got on his knees. He like looked up to the heavens. Was there and, a forward somersault? Um, Not this. No, maybe? Well, no, he lay down and started kicking his legs like a kid having a tantrum or something. He was, <laughs> it, it was weird, but it shows as well. They've been through so much, Nice, in the last few weeks. And then there was an interview with Andy Delore, and he was like, well, actually, I don't know if I'm happy because we, we thought as we'd come from two down to win three, two, we thought we'd got fourth spot because, um, you know, that, that would have been Europa league and we would have been happy with that. Um, but actually Ren equalized in the 93rd minute of their game at Lille, Sarah Girassi, and that clinched fourth for Ren. So Andy, I mean, overall, would you say that's fair? I, I felt over the season, I know we've all had a soft spot for Ren and I thought it's probably fair. They finished fourth and, and Nice ultimately fifth. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, having said that, Nice at one point looked like surefire bets for the Champions League, which I think probably compounds their disappointment because in early March, they were, I think they were second in the table after beating PSG, having just qualified for the cup final. So obviously, they go on and lose the cup final. And then in, in the final reckoning, they, they only get fifth and they go into the Europa Conference League. Now, obviously, they began... And also, Andy, there's the... Sorry to butt in, but there's the point that they had yes, deducted, which has basically yes. cost them the Europa was, League as well. I was going well. to say that. Not only did they did they just miss out on the Europa League because Ren scored so late on, but they had a point deducted because of the incidents which led to the abandonment of their game against Marseille back in August, a long, long time ago now. But So it's cost them very dear. And, and, and literally, because, of course, that the money on offer in the Europa Conference League is not the same. And... It changes a lot of things because in the past it used to be, oh, you know, the Europa League is not as exciting as the Champions League. Now the Europa League is is a more streamlined competition uh, and is seen as more attractive than than the Europa Conference League. But having said that, I think Nice, you know, why not give give the Europa Conference League a go? But I do think that Ren deserve uh, fourth place in the final reckoning. I think they've been tremendous this season. Bruno Genesio won the won the prize for Coach of the Year last weekend. They've scored more than a hundred goals in all competitions. They've been brilliant to watch. Whereas Nice have not been brilliant to watch for much of the campaign, let's be honest. So I, I think they probably deserved it. And, and obviously that meant Strasbourg just missed out. But again, they've had their best season since about 1980, I think. So really going back to the, their best years just after they won the league title in 1979. They've still had a fine campaign. Uh, they just missed out on European qualification. The same for Long, still a terrific season. Obviously the one the one big name not involved in this is Olympique Lyonnais, who've, who've uh, had a very disappointing season and for the second time in three years will not be playing in Europe. Um, which is not good enough for them. At least, at least the ladies won the Champions League at the weekend, which is a terrific achievement beating Barcelona. But the men have had a very, very disappointing season. Yeah, they finished with a two-one uh, victory at Clermont. Moussa Dembélé scored again, twenty-one goals uh, for him this season. That's impressive. The only other results I haven't mentioned: Angers two, Montpellier nil. What a disastrous end to the season for Montpellier. Uh, Lorient one, trois one. Doesn't change. Uh, doesn't change too much. Those two have uh, have stayed up, and they are happy with that we're going to finish by discussing team of the season um it's going to be a lively debate i think we've got plenty of emails in 
um, with suggestions, a lot of cracking suggestions. I'll start by reading uh, a little message from uh, our friend Nofal Hafiz Oladana. I'm sorry, he congratulated me once for getting his name right, but I didn't do well there. Um, Nofal's in in Indonesia and he says he's super excited to look forward to um, our podcast week in, week out. You've been providing not only fun, but also insightful league and chat since I tuned into the pod for the first time. Nofal's a bit disappointed uh, with Monaco's uh, end to the season because he's a, a Monaco fan. Now, he sent in his team of the week, and it's a good one, guys. It, it's, it's uh, I think, potentially the best, although there's no Seco for Fana. He's gone for Walter Benitez in goal, um, Kayo Enrique left-back, Jonathan Close right-back, Jiku and Saliba centre-backs, Chouameni and Genduzi in front of the defence, Mbappe, Payet, Bourigeau as the three attacking players behind Martin Terrier. I'm sure Terrier would be happy to play out left and let Mbappe go through the middle as well. But that is uh, that is a good side. Any 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 comments about that? I would say that Max Cunningham also wrote in and said um, any team with Bourgeois is good is good for me. I think a lot of us would uh, would go along with that. Um, Ian, you are you happy with uh, with No Fouls team? Very. I know that I know you said there's no Fafana, but uh, difficult to. Difficult to argue with Genduzi and Chouameni, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, James Cathy, very similar team. Matt Selsey has gone for in goal. Uh, Close, Saliba, Marquinhos. Gone for Melvin Barr at left back. A couple of people have done that, which I find a bit puzzling because I'm, I'm not a Melvin Barr fan yet. Young player. Uh, Fofana, Chouameni, Bourgeois. That's, a, that's a, a midfield three I could get behind, definitely. Terrier, Payet, Mbappe. Yeah, look, a lot of them are similar. I'm going to share a bit of love. I'm going to borrow um, Ian's line. I'm going to share a bit of love. Tom Love wrote in, sent a lovely message. Tom Love's uh, uh, team of the season, Alban Lafont in goal, Gilbert right back, Saliba, Abdelhamid, Melvin Barr left back, Chouameni, Fofana, Bourgeau, um, Terrier, Ben Yedda and Mbappe. So again, really similar. But again, Melvin Barr left back. I mean, is it just me or do you guys think Melvin Barr deserves to be in the team of the season? I am... I, what I will say about that is that I have a team of the season that has no left back at the moment because I couldn't think of one. And I actually, and I know that sounds like a cop out. And I think I've seen a couple that put Kyle Enrique in. I think I would probably lean towards him. The point I'm making is that I, there is not an obvious candidate for the left back position. I mean, o- often in these situations, you might go, well, well, we'll go to the PSG team because they're the best, you know. But I mean, PSG's left back situation has not been all that satisfactory this season. Oh, he's been good. He's been good. Nuno, Nuno Mendes. Yeah. So he hasn't played. He's played yeah. about half the game. No, but that, that's the point. And and I just think that there's not necessarily an obvious standout candidate in the left back position. So I can see why um, you, you you end up looking at Melvin Barr. I mean, I'd maybe say somebody like you know Anthony Cassie at Strasbourg, although he's more of a wing back. But um, yeah, I, I, that's Dimitri Lienar. Dimitri Lienar. Yeah, Dimitri Lienar. No, but um, I mean, also just to weigh in there, I, I, in terms of the midfield, uh, I, I have chosen uh, Fofana and Genduzi, which means leaving out too many. Um, but you know, there we go. I mean, I, I've gone for a four-two-three-one with mine, uh, which means getting in Payet because I think Dimitri Payet has to be in there. So too um, many misses out, and Benjamin Bourigeau misses out for me as well because I just couldn't fit him in. But he has been absolutely tremendous. Ah, oh, Andy, I'm going to have to cut you off there. Benjamin Bourigeau misses out. Yeah, but the reason, he, the reason he misses out, just, well, just to finish. The, no, you're not allowed to come back. The reason is that I have gone a four-two-three-one, which means that I've got Payet, Terrier, Ben Yedder, and Mbappe all in there, and and therefore I couldn't fit Bourigeau in. But if you give me, I maybe I can put him in at left back because there's no there's no left back, so I'll play. <laughs> <laughs> he'd do a job there. He'd do a job, Angus. 
Yeah, no, I, I actually, to be honest, when I first thought of uh, the left back, Nuno Mendes was the one that really came in at 19 years old. I think he has come in and I think he's the future of that uh, left side for Paris Saint-Germain. I think they finally found uh, an answer to that problem because one burnout was supposed to be that problem. But unfortunately, he's continued his penchant as he has done throughout his career of continually being injured. And I think Nuno Mendes has been absolutely sensational. He was signed right at the end of the transfer window in the summer. And I think for a 19-year-old, he has looked consummate in, in that team. He looked at home straight away, and I think he's brilliant. I know you're looking at me as if I'm mad, but uh, that's no, what he's, I think. He's good. He's good. Like, no, 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 it's fine. I, I, I agree he's the future, but we're talking about the present. Ian? Oh, dear, because I was just, just going to just bring in, I was just going to bring in next, next year's team of the season, because I'm going to tip <laughs> Alex Newbel. I'm going to tip Alex yes. Newbel to be the yes. best goalkeeper in Ligue 1 next season. He had a really bad start. He had a really bad start to the campaign this season. But since the reason that Monaco have won so many games in the second half of the season, he's a big factor. He has pulled off some amazing, amazing saves, like Angus said. Right back, Malagusto, because I think that he has been absolutely superb fully on this season. And if we can go back to a, a player who's really unfortunate to miss out this season in the team of the season, it's Andy Delore. No, I mean, if Nice, Nice again, if Nice have qualified for European football, uh, I mean, Guiri's form has dropped off an absolute cliff. Kasper Dolberg has not scored the goals, but Andy Delore has come. Th- come how many goals? How many, let's say, decisive 18, goals? 18 league goals overall, but you're right. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. A lot of huge, lot of huge mm. ones. I mean, the guys, was, the guys got, the trick, got the goal against PSG. Um, it seems to me they got another decisive. Uh, he scored. He scored know, a late winner goal. against against uh, Lorient just a few weeks ago. <clears throat> scored a late winner in that one. He's we got a really minute. good team from our from our colleagues Ian at, at, at We Made It podcast. They've gone for um, Jonathan Close at right back, Marquinhos Saliba centre back. They've put Malo Gusto, which is you know a big challenge for for the, for the youngster. They've put him a left back out of position. Um, Genduzi, Chouameni, Paqueta in midfield, Mbappe, Benyeda, Payet. I'm tempted to say that's the best team, but. They forgot to put a goalkeeper in. Well, I think that's because and that, you know you. I think that's because they think that Robbie I could play a, in goal. A problem for that one. Oh, maybe we could. Anybody El- could play a goal yeah. for that one. El Shaddai Bishabu. Well, he can. He, he can certainly. No he can certainly get his hands on an omelette. I can give you. I can tell you that from from my breakfast buffet experience with the boy. So uh, he's he's very good. at Listen, that. yeah. No one is going to get past Saliba and Marquinhos anyway. You don't need a goalkeeper. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Magan's team was very good. Walter Benitez in goal. Hamari Traore at right back. I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. I think he's been wonderful for, for Ren. Saliba, Marquinhos, Contan Merlin at left back. Bourgeois, Fofana, Payet, Terrier, Benyeda, Mbappe. He's close to winning. But for me, Contan Merlin, no, not quite. I mean, really promising season. Very exciting young player, but not the best left back in the league for me. Uh, Rich Allen. We were discussing this before the pod, and uh, we're, 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 I think we're siding with Rich Allen for the best team. So let me just go through Rich's team. Um, Alban Lafont in goal, Amari Traore, William Saliba, Naif Agerd, Caio Enrique. That's his back four. Uh, the midfield, Burujo, Chouameni, Payet. So again, no Fofana. Um, Terrier, Benyeda, Mbappe. I mean, it, it, it's pretty formidable, but we do know Rich from... Uh, um, social media and email exchanges and he is a Ren fan and we're just wondering whether Ren deserves four players in the team of the season. Um, are we happy to give the accolade to Rich? What do you think, Robbie? I think, uh, and, and partly for, as, a, as a service to the game because Rich has been a League 1 fan and, and 
and person involved in in supporting the game for years and years. So um, and it's a good team. Look, Naif Aguerd, maybe. I mean, I think he's a great player. But when you are, when we are talking for Ren players, and Ren have been fantastic. Um, but overall, yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a good call. We couldn't find a place for for Seko Fafana. And guys, honestly, I don't have a team of the year just because it's been it's been difficult for me to be to to follow it as as closely assiduously as as you guys have um this year but where is marco verratti seriously you cannot you can for me you cannot yeah you've not been you've not been following it closely but you cannot you have <laughs> a midfield without marco verratti who is the best player in league 1 aside from kylian mbappe and and i go back to the the old days of remembering andy scott always saying but you can't have a a, a team without tiago motta in it well, for me, Marco Verratti is that player. The and thing is, Robbie, if if you're going to pick the best eleven in Ligue 1, it's going to be ten PSG players, and uh, PSG haven't played very well as a team this season. So you know, okay. I, well, I'm I know, speaking well, purely I'm, as a okay. fan. Then so hard, they, they've won the league. They've won the league. So maybe I can't say they haven't played well as a team, but they haven't fulfilled their collective potential. Okay. Say. Well, I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Can I throw in? The, I want to throw in the left field. I want to throw in the left field choice at centre back pairing of Girotto and Palwa, who were who, who were excellent. Great shout! Who were excellent together? They were brilliant for Nantes. And I tell you, tell you another centre back pairing has done very well. Um, Dante and Jean Claire Todibo. Yeah. Now we've Jean Claire Todibo. Jean Claire Todibo obviously came through at Toulouse, played about five games. Toulouse, who we'll be seeing in Liga next season, went to Barcelona. Didn't establish himself, but uh, what a surprise. He's only 20 years old. He goes off to Schalke, does a few loan deals. I think he's been, he has been excellent this season. And uh, if, you know, I mean, Marseille, uh, Marseille could, if they miss out on Saliba, why don't you try and go for Jean-Claire Todibo and offer him Champions League football? Because very similar sort of player. And uh, I, I think he's been superb this term. Good stuff. Well, listen, um, we, we, we're going with Rich Allen's team. Um, Rich, I, I understand. I'll just get confirmation from, from Robbie Thompson. You've got a new, a brand new Kipster football heading your way. So get in touch. Um, League One official. podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Say, the, say the email address again. <laughs> League One podcast at gmail.com. the new official ball for next season. So that is the, the ball that Ligue 1 and Ren Rich will be playing with next year. and it is beautiful it's a really lovely design and a terrific football so uh, congratulations Rich and uh, above all thank you everybody uh, for following us Uh, we have absolutely loved all your feedback we've loved bringing you um, the the, the podcast we've loved um, you you Supporting us throughout what you know what has been a, a difficult season, and our thoughts are still, of course, and will always be with with David Cross. And um, it's been a really tough year for for us from a personal point of view. And the podcast clearly isn't the same without without Dave, and the world isn't the same without Dave. Um, so, yeah, our thoughts remain with him. And um, yeah, thank you to you, the listeners, for uh, for for joining us throughout the season. And, and uh, today, thank you to Ian Holyman, to Angus Terod, Andy Scott. And uh, and Robbie Thompson, it's been it's been a lot of fun as ever, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next season. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back with another edition of the Bourgeois very soon. All the very best. Take care. Bye bye. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh my word! What a goal! Gotta be lovely finish. Oh yes, delivery. Gendouzi's header and the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta.
Messi again. This time maybe Messi's done it!